Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Hey guys, nice to see you again. Um, yeah, it's so good to be here. Um, second week back in person, and I get the honor of sharing the word this morning, um, which I don't take lightly. I am um, really excited to be here. It's the second week back for our church also, so I don't know how Pastor Craig and Shanda got me over here, but that's how much I love you guys. And my wife uh, is holding it down uh, in Vancouver and our incredible team there. Um, but happy anniversary, Pastor Craig and Shanda. Do you guys love your pastors? And if you're online, can you just tell them how much you love them? Um, I'm sure they're watching right now. That's how much they love you. Um, but I hope and I pray that you guys are enjoying your vacation and enjoying your family. And shout out to Princeton, uh, Jen and Praxis and team and family over there. Yeah. Good to be with you guys. Um, yeah, let's just take a moment and pray and we're going to get into the word this morning. Would you do that with me? Father, we love you. We just settle our hearts before you in this moment. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you just show us Jesus this morning. That we can see him as he is. That you would testify of him through your word. That you encourage our hearts and, and who we are in him. God, just open your word to us this morning as we engage with it. Would it pierce our hearts in a way that only your Holy Spirit can deliver? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys ready for the word this morning? Feels good to be back in church, huh? Um, for the last number of weeks, our community, our church, my heart in particular, has been engaging with this incredible chapter of scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 11. And it's known as the Hall of Faith. And in it, it's just a master class of people who have gone before us who had faith. And it tells their story about how they continued in the faith despite hard circumstances. Circumstances in which, in normal circumstances, would have taken them out. But because they grabbed hold of something in God, they were able to see it through. I love how it is put in uh, verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 11, speaking of Noah. It says this, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. I think most of us know that story. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of, righteous, of the righteousness that is in, listen to this phrase, Keeping with faith. I love the way the NIV puts it. He kept with faith. And throughout all of Hebrews chapter 11, all of the characters, all of the people described in that chapter, I think there are two things that are common amongst them all. They all had different stories, lived in different times. They all had the promise of God that was a longing in their heart that they followed for their life. But two things they had in common... Simply this, they believed in God, what he said, 
and they kept on believing. It's as simple as that. They believed in the word of God, in the character of God, and they kept on believing. It says of Abraham that against all hope, he hoped. This is, this is the testimony of Hebrews chapter 11. But they didn't just believe in God. They also believed in the promises and the character of God. It's not just about having faith in a deity that lives out there. It's about having faith in how he wants to engage with you here. It says of Abraham that he made his home in the promised land. I think that's what enduring faith looks like, making your home in the promise of God. That's where we live. That's where our existence comes from. That's where I plant my life, in the promise of God. And it says that everything else was foreign to him. He lived in the promised land like a foreigner in a strange land. He was so obsessed with what God had said, everything else looked silly. And so the theme of Hebrews chapter 11 is faith, but not just faith, enduring faith. And this is what I want to speak to you on this morning. And so how we're going to do this is I'm a preacher. I preach, but I respect your pastors too much to bust open the way that they have their church. And so I'm going to stick into the time frame that they've asked of me. And I believe there's going to be so much fruit in that. I'm going to teach for a little bit. And so I want you to follow with me and write some things down, dig into it. And then we're going to look at one character from Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to go through his masterclass of faith. Is that okay? Okay. So in my opinion, I believe this is one of the most underrated and underemphasized topics in all of scripture. Endurance. Why? I think in, in fact it is one of the greatest underlying themes in all of scripture. So it's not to say that it isn't present in scripture, but we don't emphasize it the way that it is present. We don't lean into it the way that it's there. The question is why? Why don't we engage with what it means to endure, especially in this age, the generation that I grew up in anyways? Well, I think a healthy caricature of our 21st century Western mentality is, I want it my way and I want it now. If I don't get what I want, when I want, then we start to ask wild questions like, is God good? Does he have my best interest in mind? And then we venture into this me-centered gospel thing, which is in fact an oxymoron. That doesn't make any sense to have a me-centered gospel because it's all about Jesus. It's all about his cross. So it's all about him. My way, and I want it now, but there's nothing like a global pandemic that's going to shake that up in us, is there? We have to remember, and we know this, and we know this in this house, that God moves in the suddenly. Moments of encounter with him that can change our life in an instant. We just heard one as a story, a testimony, a moment that can change everything. And we believe for those moments. We see them all throughout scripture. And in fact, I think if you're here, you've experienced one in your own life, a moment that changed everything. But God doesn't just move in the suddenly. He also moves in the slowly. And I think there's some people in here that, that know that as I'm looking out. That your testimony isn't just a moment, it's a lifetime of believing in God and the fruit that comes from that place. 
But if we're going to lean into this narrative today about enduring faith, we have to be conditioned for both, the suddenly and the slowly. Amen? Look what Jesus says if you're not convinced yet. Luke 21, 19. He says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Endurance being the ability to withstand difficult process. You will gain life through endurance. The NIV puts it this way, stand firm and you will win life. And I want you to know if if we're questioning about what that means, it's not just life in the next life to come. It's not just eternity. Peter tells us convincingly that we are now receiving the end result of our faith. I mean, the life that God, Jesus, wants to give you is not just after you die. It is now. There's life that he has for you now, and that life comes through and on the other side of endurance. So enduring faith is holding fast to Jesus' work, to his character, and to his promises, and allowing those to inform and shape every aspect of our life. For any Gen Zs or millennials in this room, we're not talking about manifesting your destiny, appealing to the universe so that great things would happen in your life. We're talking about the work of Jesus Christ and his promises. Now that that's out of the way. I've been reading this book lately called Endure. And it's not about spiritual endurance, it's about physical endurance. So the the subtitle is this, The Mind, the Body, and the Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance. Now there is a tagline that got me intrigued, The Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance. And in the book, there's a debate of whether endurance is primarily neck down or neck up. In other words, is it a matter of physical ability or is it a matter of will? And in matters of faith, this is a very important distinction. Is it a matter of my ability to endure in faith and the promises of God? Or is it a matter of my will to endure in faith and the promises of God? You get the difference. Is it a matter of my ability or is it a matter of my will? And I'll give you the difference here. It's the difference between I cannot keep going and I will not keep going. I'm unable to move forward. Many times we convince ourselves that that's the case. Or is it I will not keep going, I don't want to keep going. And oftentimes we don't say that explicitly, but our behavior says that implicitly. And I cannot keep going. The choice is not mine. And I will not keep going. The choice is mine. And here's where truth matters. Where your feelings need to bend towards the truth. That's how the word says it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, no temptation or test. It's often translated uh, both ways or either or. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted, listen, beyond your ability. 
But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. See, the truth is that when you feel like you've hit your limits, it isn't whether you can endure, it's whether or not you have the will to endure. Can we tell some truth this morning? Some of us who give into the victim mentality would find ourselves in there, I cannot keep going because this has happened to me, or I find myself in these circumstances, or the government has made this decision, or my leader has done this. So we use that as an excuse to say, I cannot keep going, but this is not what the truth of the word of God says. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So here's the hard truth. When you think it's too hard to keep believing in the promises of God, it is not permission to stop. I think in hardship, we take that as a way out. I cannot keep going. But here is the truth again. It is a test. This is when we cannot, we cannot follow our feelings. I feel like I preach this next verse every single time I'm in this church. I don't know why. Take it up with God. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or tests of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Another word that's interchangeable with endurance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We've heard that verse before. It's our favorite verse in all of scripture, right? Consider it joy when you go through tests. But I what I want you to get out of this verse today is this, that inherent in your journey of faith is the testing of it. If you're on a journey of faith, it will be tested. That's the truth. And in that, we cannot act like hardship is a surprise. When you say you're going to follow Jesus, and then we're surprised about the testing of our willingness to follow Jesus, it will be tested. But I learned a thing or two in English, and by a thing or two, literally a thing or two in English class. <laughs> But one of the things that I learned in English was this, if you don't, if it's not essential to a sentence, don't put it in. Don't put, don't put the phrase in. I want to read the, the, the next, the, the sentence we just read, verse three. It says, because, and I'm going to take two words out, okay? See if it reads clear. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's clear, right? So, if the author of this, James, inspired by God to write this, put two other words in there, I think those two words are going to be very important for us to look at. What are those two words? You know. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know this is part of the journey. James is saying, you've already been down this path before. You've had trials and temptations. You thought they were going to take you out. But God showed himself faithful in them. So he's saying, listen, friend, you know that this is part of the journey so that you cannot act surprised when it comes. 
Can I be the one to tell you today that there will be moments in your life in following Jesus that you will want to settle? There will be moments when you feel like you can't keep going. Is that not what James is telling us? Your faith will be tested. This is not just talking about waking up and having a hard day. He's saying you will consider or not whether it's worth it following Jesus. And in those moments, those of us who have truly given our lives to Jesus, it isn't about the binary, right? Am I a theist and now I'm an atheist? We can't think in those terms because most of us don't go down that journey, although there are some that do. This is about taking God at his word and not settling for anything less than the fullness of the promise of God. So we believe in him. We believe in our salvation. We believe our eternity is secure in him. And so our faith is good that way. But what about what he wants to do now in your life and through your life and through this church and through your ministry and through your vocation and through your family? Is there not faith that is needed to pursue the promise of God in those things? And so moments when those are tested and it feels like we can't keep going, James is saying, hey, 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 you know that that's just the test. Don't be surprised when it comes. So don't tone it down. Don't settle for less. Keep on pursuing everything that God has said. I feel like there's some people in the room today that had a fire in them. And God is saying, reclaim that fire. The reason why you chose that career path or started that initiative, let that thing burn in you again. Don't settle for anything less than the fullness of what God said. Hebrews 11, they endured. So they died still believing. This is like running a marathon and not expecting there to be pain. Can you imagine you go out to run a marathon in the moment that pain comes? You're like, wait a minute. I didn't know this was going to be hard. I got 41 more kilometers of this. But I think that's sometimes the way that we approach our faith, that we had this moment of inspiration. I'm going to sign up for that marathon. I'm going to go get it. And I start to train and it hurts. But those moments that you encounter of pain or temptation to quit are there so that you know that it wasn't worth quitting. Those moments when you feel like it's all over and you keep going, they're there to show you that it was not worth stopping, that God was faithful and that your endurance paid off. Are you with me? And this is why you train in your faith. You take steps of faith. You move forward in God. Not just to improve your ability, but to strengthen your will. Keep moving forward. And this is where it's important for us to understand in our journey with Jesus. That this is where we have to override our perceived ability with our will. And you keep on going. This word, or two words, you know, you know. I feel like those are the, the great, that's the greatest phrase you can give anybody in counseling. 
When someone's going through a hard time in their journey with the Lord, just look at them square in the face and be like, you know. Have you ever to look at yourself in the mirror before and say, you know this is part of the journey. Your faith is going to be tested. And that snaps people right into place. We know by the word of God that our faith will be tested. So don't look at it like a surprise. You know why? Because a surprise is a tactic of war. If the enemy can surprise you, he's already got the upper hand. If someone wants to intimidate your journey or your flow or your cadence, he will not go through the front door. He will surprise you. He will throw something at you that you never thought was coming, like a global pandemic. He will surprise you. But the moment the surprise comes, you can say, I can't be surprised by that because God already told me it was coming. Maybe not in that form, but in that feeling of wanting to settle. The element of surprise is a tactic of war. We have to be aware trial will come. Just keep going. You will make it through. Endure. And then we have another we know. Romans 8, verse 28, right? And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And so it goes this way. It seems like everything is going sideways, but we know this is part of the journey. And we know this will end for our good. Amen. James 1 Verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So review, that was my teaching session. Is that okay? I know I was a little animated for teaching today, but thank you for hanging with me. One person, thank you. So for review, inherent in the journey of faith is the testing of it. Part and parcel. And it's not a matter of ability that you'll make it through. It's a matter of will. God will not test you beyond your ability to move through it. He will provide a way of escape. Okay, masterclass. Here we go. David, a man mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And I think we all know David, this man who endured right, had promise of God, yet it was years before the promise of God actually came to fruition, but he held himself in character, he held himself in the, in, in, the, in the space that God called him to, which is to pursue the promise of God despite everything else, to have faith in God. When, the, when Goliath came, he says, Goliath doesn't come against me or you, he comes against God. He kept on knowing how to apply his current circumstances to the faith that he walked in, or to say it the other way, he knew how to apply his faith to the circumstance that he walked in. And we have this moment in David's life, probably one of the most devastating moments that he came up against up into this space in his career, in his life. And this was before he was anointed king. And it's the story of the town called Ziklag. And David was pursuing the call of God in his life, and he was moving forward. He had 600 men that were with him that he kind of trained up and, and led on this journey. He said, come follow me. We're going to go on some military conquest. You can read this passage of Scripture at the end of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30, few chapters before, few after. But on this journey of conquest, of following the promise of God, so to speak, 
they returned to their village. They returned to their home, their town called Ziklag, and they found that this entire town was burnt to the ground. And it was just the men who went on this journey. The women and children stayed behind. And so it says that the entire town was burnt to the ground and the enemy carried off their women and children. And so David and his boys come back from war, following David, by the way, they came back from war to find that their lives were devastated, completely burnt to the ground. And we pick this story up, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says this, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. And then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party or will I, and will I overtake them? And the Lord said, pursue them. And you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And that's exactly what happened. But here we have then David's masterclass in faithful endurance. And it simply goes this way. He found strength in God. And then he inquired of God. He found strength in God and inquired of God. And that's not even two points. That's just one A and one B. He found strength in God and he inquired of God. Can we say that together? Can I be that guy this morning? He found strength in God, and then he inquired of God. See, faith is about focus. And enduring faith is about remaining focused. In a moment of surprise, a moment of pain, in a moment of weariness in their lives, the men of that army, they actually shifted their focus. Did you see that in the story? They shifted their focus away from the calling and purpose of God and they placed their focus on David. And it says they became bitter. Their focus went to David. We need somebody to hold accountable for what happened here. We need somebody to blame. Who's going to take responsibility for what I am going through right now? I'm being tested in this space. Who can absolve my pain? who can answer for what I'm walking through right now. They got bitter and focused on their leader. How many of us in this past year, in the surprise or the weariness, have lost focus? Started to shift our focus from the purpose, the plan, the call, the character, the promise of Jesus and started getting cross-eyed. I love him and I'm with him, but I gotta hold someone accountable. Someone's got to give me the answers for what I'm walking through in this moment. This is also what happens, by the way, when things are going great. We shift our focus, but I'll leave that for another message. But David, David, he focused his attention on the Lord. He found strength in the Lord. See, in hard moments of life, we can start to shift focus. And in shifting focus, we lose sight of the source of our faith. And this is when endurance starts to wane. And we usually don't take responsibility for this. Like James is telling us to, you know, take responsibility for how you walk this thing out because you know it's a test and the Lord's going to strengthen you through it. 
We usually shift responsibility and ask somebody else to show us how to walk through it. And in that, our walk starts to get compromised. And so this morning, I just want to ask you this. Who has your attention? Where is your attention right now? Is it on Jesus or is it on Jesus and something else? We have two eyes. Jesus tells us if your focus, if your eye be single, then your body will be full of light. And we know Hebrews 12, what it says, right? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, what David did in this moment is he took initiative. He didn't wait for someone to come encourage him or point him in the right direction. He says, I've been to this place of testing before. I've been up against a wall where I've wanted to quit. I know where to go now. I know who was my source in that place of pain before. And so I know where to go to now in my current struggle. He went to the Lord. He took initiative. Jesus says in John 15, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Don't quit on me because I will never quit on you. Psalm 136 it tells us 26 times his love endures forever. Amen. His love endures forever. 26 times in the same chapter. Do you think the psalmist is making a point? His love endures forever. The moment that you come to where you think there's nothing left, his love endures forever. You can't out-endure God. There's always a place to go to in him that will sustain you in your moment of weariness, in your moment of weakness. You can't out-endure God. His love endures forever. Why? Because there is a well that never runs dry. That moment where you're running a marathon and you think it's all over, sometimes all you need is a sip of Gatorade. Sometimes all you need is to go to the well that never runs dry. You got to hydrate, get a dose of his love. Instead of your attention going to someone else to take responsibility, maybe we should take responsibility and go to the well that never runs dry. I've been in that place, even in this last year, where I've said to my wife, these words have come out of my life, my, my mouth. I'm tired of strengthening myself in God. I'm tired of hitting a wall and then picking myself back up and going to God and saying, I know you're good and I know you're faithful. Moments of weakness for me that's temp tempting to say, man, maybe there's another way. Maybe I should settle. Maybe I should find another career path. Maybe I should do something different or not believe in that person anymore. Maybe I should just settle for less than God promised. But this is where 1B comes in. The second part here. Katie, you can come back up wherever you are. He inquired of God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. The ephod was a priestly garment. 
So Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord. He said, bring me the ephod. There was a way, there was an order in which you accessed God in that time, and it was through the priest. But in this moment of struggle, this moment of pain, David said, I'm not going to the priest. Bring me the ephod. I'm going to God. I'm on this journey because he sent me on this journey. The call of God is in my life. And to the best of my ability, I've been pursuing God in that call. I got to go talk to the one who gave me the call. Bring me the ephod. See, David was way beyond his years. This was new covenant language. In that time, they needed priests to inquire of God. But David said, no, this this moment's too painful. It feels like it's going to take me out. 599 of my brothers are in pain right now. They want to stone me. I can't react. I have to respond. Bring me the ephod. He didn't wait for the prophetic word. He didn't wait for the great sermon. He didn't wait for church to open again. He didn't wait for a friend to call and encourage him. He didn't go through the priest. He was the priest. He got hold of something in God that was a rarity in his day. And he said, I'm taking initiative here. I know this is a test of my faith. Bring me the ephod. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we do have one who has been tempted or tested in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Bring me the ephod. I'm going to the throne so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Look out how the writer puts it there. So that we may receive the mercy. The mercy is available. The grace is there, but it's waiting for you. You gotta go get it. Approach the throne of grace. Put the ephod on. Say, I'm not waiting for somebody to encourage me. I'm going to go to the well that never runs dry. Why? Because his love endures forever. When I can't endure anymore, there's one who can. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There's been a lot of conversation. I'm not pointing any fingers. But if you just look out the windows or look on Instagram or turn on the news, there's been a lot of conversation this past year about defending rights. And just if you're curious, I think that's a good conversation to have. <laughs> but there are rights that we have in God that we don't even exercise, let alone defend. You have a right as a child of God to the throne of the King of Kings. To access the one who made it all, the maker of heaven and earth. And Hebrews is telling us in a moment of weakness, we have a high priest who made a way where there was no way. So go to that place. Not just when you find yourself there with confidence, boldly enter that place so that you can find mercy and grace in your time of need. 
How many times of need do we have in a single day? So many. We need to utilize our rights as children of God. How many times we feel like it's all over and in that place, fantasize in our minds about what it would look like to go a different way or a different direction. And in all that, God is just saying, come to me. Let me just give you some mercy and give you some grace now in your time of need. As we close, I just wanna tell you this one story in this book that I was reading, Endure, about this woman named Diane Van Deren. Diane Van Deren, she um, recently ran a race, 1,000 miles from the mountains of North Carolina to the sea, to the shore, 1,000 miles. And the record for this race was 22 days, five hours. 1,000 miles in 22 days. We're not talking about a road trip here. We're talking about her own two legs running this race. She was an endurance runner. People would study this woman to find out how and why she does what she does. She would sleep one to three hours every single night. Get up and do it again for 22 and a half days straight. Well, it turns out that when she was about a year and a half years old, year and a half years old, year and a half, she, I didn't learn too much in English. When she was a year and a half, she struggled with epilepsy. She would have violent epileptic seizures. She actually didn't struggle again until she was 29 years old, pregnant with her third child. She started having these epileptic seizures again. It really derailed her life. So she decided to have uh, elective surgery to have a lobectomy, uh, remove a golf ball sized portion of her brain, the spot where she was having these surgeries. And so they went out and took out a portion of her brain. So before she had this surgery, she was just a casual runner. But after this surgery, she became an endurance runner. 1,000 miles in 22 days. So people would say, what's the secret? What's the, what's the trick? What do you have now that you did not have then? It must be that you don't have pain anymore. That you can just keep going and not know how it feels. And she says, no, I have pain. I push through it though. So much so that she would wake up on this journey with, with blisters and sores in her feet that would begin to split open. She would get duct tape and duct tape her feet. That's how much pain she was in. She would begin her days on her knees because she couldn't stand on her feet. She would move on her knees to, to, uh, until enough endorphins kicked in in her body that she could stand without pain in her feet. She had pain, but she's quoted as saying, I just push through it. Well, after her surgery, there were a few things that shifted in her, in her mind. The first was this, she was very disoriented. She didn't know where to go at times, so she had to run with somebody else. She lost short-term memory, a few other things that happened. So they asked her, then what's the secret? If it's not painlessness that makes you run through 22 days straight, blisters in your feet. She said, they, they asked her, what is it? And she said, well, listen, I have short-term memory. So I wake up every single day. And if I'm 14 days into my journey, someone told me it was the first day of my journey. She said, great, let's get going then. 
Her short-term memory was so bad that she could not perpetuate on how far she had come. So every single day she would wake up with a renewed will to move forward, a renewed sense of let's get going, let's do this. She could not be held down by how far she's traveled. She had the pain of her body present, but her mind was sharp. Her mind was new. She ran every day like it was her first. Look at what it says in Lamentations 3, 22. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, ever. They never come to an end. But it also says, they are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies never come to an end and they are new every single morning. My friend, when we get weary on our journey in pursuit of the promises of God, there's a mercy that never runs dry. But even more so, when we approach the throne of grace and find mercy, it renews and it refreshes our will to keep going like it was the first day we caught eyes with Jesus. How many of us are weary in our focus because we don't know where to put our focus? If we received the mercy that he has in the moments of need, we would have a refreshed will every single day to move forward in the promise of God, to run every day like it was our first. There's a longing in my heart, friend, to be like Diane Van Deren, not to have my brain removed, well, maybe in some ways, but to run every single day in Jesus towards his promises like it was the first day he gave them to me. And that is not just a fantasy that I have, that is the word of God. That we have rights to the throne of grace to find the mercy that we need right when we need it. So I just wanna invite you today, whether you're online or in this room, to make that commitment in your mind and in your heart, in moments of weariness, in moments of, I don't know where to land after this season. I don't know how I can keep going. Things are different, things are changed, that you can pursue what you were pursuing long before the problem came. That you can move forward in Him, that you can find grace and mercy in your time of need. To exercise your right to the throne of grace and move forward with vigor and tenacity in the promises of God. So Lord, I bless right now, Horizon Church, the promises of God over this church, over the people of this church, God, that it would be a renewed vigor, a renewed sense of, of will, a refreshed will to move forward in the promises of God, to pick up the promises that have been here for generations. And to say, I will run afresh and anew, not because I'm white knuckling it. No, because your grace is sufficient for me that it, your mercies never run out. They endure forever. And they are new and refreshed every single morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.